0: and Airbnb, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. How long them- is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They
1: never go home. They never go home. those does does.
2: Bye.
3: I said I want to win
2: the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost
0: like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. You're very welcome to the Irish Times Second Captains Podcast. All McDevitt here with Kieran Murphy. Hello, on. Hi, Kieran I Ken early. We are here. No. I'm doing pretty well, Ken. Send it down, Hey, lie. Kenny. Good. I want you to cast your mind back to this time last year you guys and tell me who was the most famous sportsman in the country at that time when?
4: this time last year early September Uh. well I'm gonna say well within a couple of weeks it was Shane O'Donnell oh am I gone a bit early of course the replay I see the replay on that's what you've gone and done there Shane O'Donnell is the correct answer Murph (laughs) unfortunately
0: 2014 has been a bit of an injury nightmare for the Clare All-Ireland winning hero from last year he had a knuckle injury sustained against Cork Mm it's a standard enough type of um, manner of receiving the injury, playing a hurling match and getting a wrap of the hurl around the knuckles. Yep. But that was after coming out, coming back from a fairly decent chunk out with a hamstring injury suffered while training for a strictly come dancing fundraiser. Now, I can imagine the phone call that Davey Fitz after the hurling. He probably need, didn't even need to make the call after the court game. Mm. I'm sure Davey was probably there. But I'm trying to picture the
4: conversation around that first injury. The, uh, yeah. the hamstring has gone there, uh, Davey. Well, it. Uh, I I feel like I should probably say that it was a fundraiser for the Clare Hurling and Camogie team. It wasn't a complete Shane O'Donnell is the world's most famous Clare man and has decided to take part in Celebrity come dancing. Yeah, no, celebrity,
0: he was saying, "Oh, you know, I had, to, I had to train the body in a different way, than, and I wasn't used to it, so it, yeah. the hamstring broke down." And thinking, uh. Uh, the only, th- the only worst news that Davy Fitzgerald could have heard was Podge Collins calling to say, "I injured my hamstring playing Gaelic football." That yeah. would have been far worse in Davy's world than injuring
4: yourself. Wait a minute, you weren't playing football, though. No, no, just, <laughs> just, just tangoing, no yeah, dancing. Deal. Yeah.
0: The, yeah. We're going to talk about Podge and his brother Sean opting out of the senior hurling panel, and we're going to look at Saturday's. Under twenty one, All Ireland final between Clare and Wexford, Chrissy O'Connor and Owen Quigley on today's program. We're talking to us Murph about the big story in American sport at the moment, Murph, and, and that's it's a big, big yeah. This story. is Ray Rice, a top player, a reasonably top player, who's been banned, been booted out of his club and banned indefinitely by the NFL. Can you tell us a little bit of detail?
4: Yeah, well, last February uh, he was uh, seen in, Los- in on a cas- on a casino video dragging his unconscious uh, fiance, then fiance, now wife, out of an elevator um and uh, as a result of a domestic assault um he was suspended for two games by the NFL uh and then last last sunday night at midnight sunday night so day one of uh, game day one of the NFL is just finished monday night football to come uh, 24 hours after that TMZ release this video in the middle of all of this um of the video from inside the elevator and it's pretty shocking footage. I'm sure anyone with even a passing interest in the NFL has watched it by now. But he, he punches his uh, fiancée and she hits her head off a rail and she's unconscious. Um, So the video is seen uh, around the world. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens cut him from the team and the NFL suspend him indefinitely. But it's kind of seen as way too little too late. And the fact that TMZ got this video and not the NFL uh, and not the Baltimore Ravens seems to a lot of people to be almost too good to be true um, that the a NFL A lot of questions
0: would, being asked why we weren't when the NFL looking for this they said they claimed they were there's been a development even on that part of the story as well but uh, yeah it is. there was even quite a lot of criticism of the NFL at the time for the leniency of the two game ban yeah, and now that the, this has come to light it's seen as completely ridiculous that yeah, only the, banned for two games.
4: the NFL commissioner Roger Goodell um, under huge amounts of pressure uh, did admit last month that he may have been a, he may have made a mistake that the 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 ban was, the two game ban was too lenient. Um, But that may not be enough to save him now.
0: The issue of concussion in the GAA was brought to the fore in the All Ireland semi-final replay between Mayo and Kerry when Aidan O'Shea went back on the field despite looking like he was struggling to shake off the effects of a clash of heads with his teammate Killian O'Connor. And Mayo say he wasn't concussed, but it does seem to be an increasing problem generally in the sport, or at least we're becoming more aware of it. I think in recent years, Rory O'Carroll, you might remember, in Dublin's All Ireland final win against Mayo, Richie Power, Mark McHugh, and a good few others have all been concussed, or at least have been suspected of being concussed. Now, Carl Mannion. Is one of our regular Gaelic football voices. He was Roscommon's best player for a number of years, still going well. His club St. Bridget's he was man of the match, indeed, in an All Ireland final a couple of years ago. He's taken a huge interest in this area in recent years. He's got some personal experience of it, and he's going to pop into studio later on in the program. But I think we'll start with us Murph. We spoke to Brian a little bit earlier.
3: Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game. No matter
0: who wins or loses, I am deeply sorry. My irresponsible and selfish
5: behavior. You're being extremely truculent. Whatever truculent means, if that's good, I'm there.
4: Strike three calls in the Giants.
3: Hi Murphy, how are you? I'm doing great, boys. Doing great here in September. We're actually in a bit of a uh, kind of a maniacal sports week here in America. Obviously, uh, probably what you guys want to talk about, but we're 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 trying to sort our way through the uh, the ethical, moral, legal dilemmas. Far away from the playing fields, guys. Not unlike I, I just long for the simplicity of a uh, of a Kilkenny tip hurling final. That's what I long for. <laughs> You've done your homework. <laughs> Somebody helped me, but uh yeah, <laughs> I did. So I uh, I I I heard it was epic drama and that's what we want to get back to here in America instead of the uh all the 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 incredibly heavy-duty conversations we're having about the NFL these days. But I don't know, maybe you guys want to talk more baseball.
0: No, we're sticking (laughs) with the heavy-duty NFL stuff, Brian. And it is funny because I remember, I think it was around this time last year, we were talking about concussions and the the, the season was about to begin. And I think Mm -hmm. everyone was aware that as soon as the season began, people wouldn't be talking as much about concussions Mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This time around, the season has begun, but this incredible Ray Rice story uh, is top of the news, again. Can you tell us
3: what's going on here? Well, I would imagine, by this point, most people in Ireland have already seen the video. If they haven't, I'd be surprised. But um, Ray Rice is a running back for the Baltimore Ravens, and they were Super Bowl champs two years ago. He's a good player. He's not a superstar. He didn't have a good year last year but he's a known player on a Super Bowl champion from a couple years ago who in the off season was caught on video dragging his unconscious fiance out of an elevator it was shocking video like wait a minute like dragging like a really like dragging a corpse like a weekend at Bernie's type of thing out of an elevator and everybody said what the heck happened in there he obviously uh, struck her there was some outrage some people wondered what the NFL was going to do about it and after much dithering, in late July, Roger Goodell announced a two-game suspension for Ray Rice. There was a lot of outrage from, uh, you know, sports media pundits and opinions saying, wow, whatever happened in an elevator couldn't have been good because she's unconscious. How can a guy only get two games for that when guys who have DUIs are getting six games and Alden Smith of the 49ers is getting nine games for, well, granted, he had a couple DUIs and, a, and an unregistered gun charge, so that's serious stuff, but How is that nine games when uh, an apparent act of domestic violence is two games? And uh, so we all kind of rubbed our hands about that. But like you said, then the games begin. Everybody gets back to football, and everybody's kind of mesmerized by the shiny object. Well, guess what? TMZ, the website that just seems to be ready to mess with everybody. They're the ones who released the Donald Sterling audio tape that caused... Remember, we thought you know, one of the great sports scandals of American sports history. It's probably already been usurped now by TMZ's latest scoop, and that is the actual video inside the elevator in which Ray Rice is shown to deliver a flat-out cold cock, hardcore punch to his fiance's face. They are fighting, and it looks like she might be moving towards him. She, of course, weighs you know one, I don't know 100 pounds less than him, and he uh, just a vicious, heinous smash to her face and then uh, compounding that horror the, her, her as she's knocked out and falling down, her head smashes into a, a hand bar in the elevator and just KO's her. And Which is why now we saw the second part of the elevator video, which is him dragging her lifeless corpse out of the elevator. We now know what happened inside the elevator and you can only imagine the uh, the, rea- the reaction i mean people have been horrified coast to coast to think oh, my god domestic violence is one thing to see it in that graphic form is a whole other thing and it brings to light so many issues um, you know what's going on uh, you know in what's going on in sports what's going on in the NFL are we breathing violence into these young men what's going on in society is domestic violence something that doesn't get that gets swept under the rug too much did the and then most pertinently in, as far as like a talking point and a raging argument point, did the NFL have access to the elevator video, or did they willingly look the other way to try to sweep it under the rug? So that's the burning question all week. Roger Goodell and the NFL are denying that they had access to the video. They're saying, we asked for it, we asked for it, they never gave it to us. The Atlantic City Casino and the Atlantic City, This happened in Atlantic City, New Jersey, in a casino they're saying that the prosecutors never gave them the video, so how could you expect us to know what was going on? Many people are cynical and dubious, saying the NFL is a very powerful entity. The NFL could have seen that video, and the NFL it was trying to either look the other way and sweep it under the rug, or worse, enact a cover-up, which is what Keith Olbermann of ESPN suggested in calling for Roger Goodell's resignation. He's not, one of the, he's not the only person doing that. So we have ourselves a, a, a coast-to-coast firestorm, guys.
0: What about the club in the, in the franchise, the Ravens? They'd supported the player at the time, is my understanding, Brian. What if they had, the, I mean, the NFL didn't support the player, but they did only bat him for two games, as you say. What if the Ravens had to say?
3: Yeah, so that's another aspect of, there's so many different permutations of this. So now you've got the club, who did stand by him and said that he's been a uh, positive a citizen in the community, he's been a quote-unquote good guy, you even had the great John Harbaugh, Super Bowl winning coach and brother of Jim Harbaugh, a guy whose reputation has been impeccable up until now. John Harbaugh going on record when the training camp opened by saying uh, that Ray Rice is a heck of a good guy, is what he said, and that that soundbite haunting him. Other things that the Ravens are coming to regret, they sent out a tweet on their official Baltimore Ravens Twitter account when the whole thing went down, saying Janae Rice, and that's her name. Janae Rice is the uh, the fiance, and again, I talk about permutations. She's now his wife, and we can talk about her reaction too to this whole thing. They said Janae Rice deeply regrets her actions in the involvement of the incident of the of the. Uh, her, she deeply regrets her perf- her. Deeply regrets her contribution to the incident that night. Right. They have now that tweet has come back to haunt them in a dramatic way. They've deleted it from their account. So what happened was when the video hit the TMZ released the video Monday, by by lunchtime. By lunchtime on Monday, the Ravens had released Ray Rice. This is a guy who's an integral part of their locker room. Uh, key running back for the team, but their owner, Steve Bishotti, a guy who had stood by Ray Rice, saying what a good guy was, said that the video changed everything. Now, the question is, was he acting strictly for PR and strictly to keep his fan base and his fan dollars churning, because that is his job, is to keep his fan dollars churning, or did he was he truly morally outraged by it? He says he was morally outraged by it and he immediately called a meeting with his general manager and head coach John Harbaugh and released Ray Rice the, the NFL moments later then announced that Ray Rice is suspended indefinitely in the NFL there are so many like i said so many permutations cuz now questions are being raised Well, what about other players in the NFL who have been accused of domestic abuse and there have been some and there have been some that are even worse carolina has a defensive lineman greg hardy who uh who's done horrible things um the, the 49ers defensive lineman Ray McDonald was arrested for felony domestic abuse over before game 1 and the 49ers went ahead and played him. There have been no charges in that case. There's all sorts of simmering hot spot talking points and balls in the air and gray areas and I gosh, but to answer your question, the Ravens released him and the Ravens have basically said they've washed their hands and then Steve Bisciotti the owner sent out an, a letter to his season ticket holder saying, we did not do all we could have done. So he essentially is apologizing. Now the question is, is it too little too late, et et So like I said, it seems like with every sentence I'm saying, I'm bringing up more permutations and more angles to this thing. It really is a complex thing, guys.
4: Yeah, and uh, a lot of this appears to be about... Um, you know, pictures or it didn 't happen you know that this this is nearly the society that we live in you know that we 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 all understood the first time we read about Ray Rice this story before the video uh, emerged. We all understood what happened, but it 's the fact that we were able to see it, which just has so much more of a visceral impact, but it it kind of if to point it back at ourselves as NFL fans I mean we shouldn 't need the video. To understand what happened in the elevator that night.
3: Yeah, you're absolutely right, and there's and there's a huge discussion point about that. About like, what if this video was never released? Ray Rice was getting was getting cheered at training camp by Ravens fans. He was going to sit out one more game. They have a Thursday night game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then he was me back on the field, knowing that that you know he was the kind of guy who. Just flat out, absolutely demolished his fiance. Could have killed her, guys. Could have killed her if her head hit the the bar a certain way. You know, could have been a brain trauma there, and you know would have been back on the field. Um, so the video is everything. It's everything. You got a guy. I mean, you start going through the list of some things NFL players have done, and that didn't have video. And it, for example, Leonard Little is the name of a Rams defensive end who a few years ago was drunk in a car blazed through a red light and killed a a woman crossing the street who was a mother of three young children. Just unspeakably tragic. There's no video of it. He the legal process ran its course and Leonard Little's back on the playing field. He was back playing. Dante Stallworth, same thing. Killed somebody with a car in Miami. There's no video of it and everybody's back on the playing field. Ray McDonald of the 49ers. The Greg Hardy thing with the Panthers, no video on it, and everybody feels differently about it. So it's raising questions about, you know, you think about the video and you think about, well, gosh, what what if there was video attached to all these other things? How should we feel differently about them? How should we, how should we evaluate ourselves as sports fans? And on the other side, guys, there's a whole other part we haven't brought up, which is the people who are saying, you know, listen, uh, sports teams are in the business of winning and losing football games. I've never looked to the NFL to be my moral arbiter as far as drug use, gun abuse, uh, domestic violence. Um, You know, I'm not going to sit here. There are people saying that there's a lot lot of moralizing and high-horsing going on right now or that Ray Rice should be given a second chance. I mean, there's all sorts of different takes on it, but the video changed everything. And it also has the NFL, you know, backpedaling furiously because did they or did they not – have access to the video. Roger Goodell did a big interview with CBS National News saying we asked for it and we were not granted access. And uh, like I said, even a Keith Oldman called for his job. So yeah, I mean, you got to imagine a video with all these things you read about, and then maybe it changes your opinion on all these things. Yeah,
0: did uh, you talk about the NFL or did they have access to it? Or more to the point, maybe did they try their hardest to get access to it? Because TMZ managed to find it no problem, and uh, you can imagine that they were they were happy to then publish it. Uh, I, one of the angles I saw to this Brian was that only TMZ maybe or certainly TMZ are one of the few sites few media outlets that would have really wanted to go with this story that ESPN or the mainstream sports media would have been very wary of trying to uncover any more truth about a story that could reflect really badly on on their broadcast partners on the, the league that so much of the sports media in America relies upon for their essentially for their work.
3: I totally agree, and it, it makes you feel guilty, and it makes you feel uh, it makes you feel sleazy that you know we're all kind of part of this of this charade of hey man I don't care if he's punching women in the face and 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 nearly killing them um, you know we got games to broadcast we got games to talk about we got games to write about we got you know let's talk about the the Patriots losing their opener or Tony Romo looking terrible for the Cowboys or whatever and in reality TMZ is the one telling the truth they really are now they're they're not um they're they're far from saints they're far from uh these holy crusaders for the truth because they are the ones who had Colin Kaepernick in being investigated for sexual assault which turned San Francisco upside down in the spring and it turned out that wasn't true that was a very very dangerous headline that wasn't true there had just been a police incident involving a woman who had passed out in Colin, a friend of Colin's hotel room, and Colin happened to be there. He, in fact, was never being investigated for sexual assault, and, in fact, had to kind of fight that headline for a few weeks. So TMZ was guilty of, of, and they've been guilty of other wrongdoings there. So they they give and they take, and they take and they give, but they are now the authors of two incredibly important stories, the Donald Sterling uh, admission of racism, which, by the way, now is... More dominoes are falling. We don't have time for it, I'm sure, but the Atlanta Hawks owner is admitting that he's written racist emails in the past about not wanting black fans in his in his arena, and he self-reported himself so that he wouldn't be embarrassed, and and so that obviously was a permutation from the tmz Sterling story. But they are the ones who went and got this, and, yeah, there's no way. I don't think ESPN would do it. I don't think CBS News would do it. Hell, I, we didn't do it at KMBR, chase after that video. They did. They found the truth. They found the unvarnished, ugly truth. And as sleazy as they are, it's kind of like the Jose Canseco steroid book, which was really sleazy and, and filled with some bogus, uh, some, some cheesy and cheap um, uh, sort of comments and information that he had about baseball when he was playing, but also contained elements of huge truth. And he's the one who kind of opened the door saying, yeah, these are all the people who did steroids. This is how the record book in baseball has been abused. And, and Canseco, for as sleazy as he was, was also a truth teller. and That's very similar to TMZ. They're kind of sleazy in some ways, but they're also ultimately the, the only guys out there telling the real truth. One person you mentioned, Brian, who isn't happy about
0: this truth in this video coming out is the victim here, Janae, uh, the now wife of Ray Rice. What does she have to say?
3: Wow. And so this is a whole, like you said, so many permutations, because it's had us all talking about domestic violence and what it means to both the abuser and the abusee. And Janae Rice not only married Ray Rice, but went on Instagram and posted a very strident post on Tuesday morning, lashing out at the media and anybody who was giving an opinion that, uh, about Ray Rice, saying, you've taken away... My husband's livelihood, what he worked all his life for, if your intention was to hurt us, embarrass us, and make us feel alone, then you've succeeded and it was a it was a very emotional uh, post defending Ray and their love and their and their and their marriage. They remain married, they still are and Ray Rice gave one interview to ESPN saying, "I have to be strong for my wife, and we're we're here in good spirits, but she. So she she 100% defended Ray Rice and lashed out at people who were essentially, for lack of a better word, sticking their nose where it doesn't belong. And then you had people read that and say, well, gosh, isn't that the classic case of an abused? A person in a domestic abuse relationship is frequently sympathetic to the abuser. That's one of the, like I said, we're talking about things that aren't, none, none of us got into sports journalism to talk about the the psychology of domestic abuse but here we are talking about the psychology of domestic abuse and we're hearing from experts that women who do get abused frequently sympathize with their abuser they they blame themselves they think they did something wrong they don't want to lose their relationship and in reality they could be staying in a relationship where they could get hit again and again and again and it gets so dicey as far as why human beings would behave that way it, it, it's, it's hard to comprehend yeah, other people. We had a uh, conversation with our my friend Howard Bryant at ESPN. He said a very interesting thing. He said, "You know, Janae Rice. That might be her opinion, but this is bigger than Janae and Ray Rice. This is about how we." And I liked what Howard said. He said, "This is about how we behave as people. This is about how we behave in a society. And you can't, you can't have a society where these things happen. We're trying to evolve as a society, and you can't. Maybe 50 years ago, athletes beat up their wives, and reporters never talked about it. But it, you have to evolve." past that. And for Janae Rice to you know, defend him, and it's understood. But you also can't look at what happened in that elevator and think in any way that this is a society you want to live in where there's not some sort of examination of this to try to improve the situation.
0: Brian, is the sport big enough, and the association, the league, big enough to just continue to take these hits? Uh, there was a piece by Charles P. Pierce recently in Grantland, the great magazine writer Charles P. Pierce. It was partly about the Mayo and Kerry All Ireland football semi-final. Actually, he's got Kerry roots, but it was also about the future of American football. He raised the possibility that it could become extinct in its current form because of all the violence, because of the concussions, because of the the on-field stuff. And this was even before the latest uh, news on Ray Rice and and the -the off-the-field things that are going on there. Is there a chance in, I don't know, maybe ridiculous maybe a ridiculous question question in some ways impossible to answer, but in 50, 60 years' time that the NFL will be a very different thing, may not even exist in in the form it is at the moment?
3: Well, isn't it crazy? You brought it up at the start. A year ago, we were having this conversation. It was about the concussion PBS documentary and the book by the brothers, um, fainer brothers, brothers, Steve Fainaru and Mark fainer about League of Denial, and we all talked about that and said, oh man, you know, and we talked, we speculated, would it affect youth football and parents, and there seems to be a year later, there still is discussion of families out there not wanting to participate. However, I think right now the numbers nationwide are, are essentially the same. We haven't seen that. So... We're talking about real long-term stuff, guys. You and I will not be, sadly, we will not be doing the second captain's podcast 50 or 60 years from now, Darn Don't it. you
4: say that. Don't you say that, Brian.
3: <laughs> Maybe we will. <laughs> Maybe we will. How about that? Wouldn't that be awesome? 2064 second captain's <laughs> podcast. But what will be happening then? You know, this is where you start talking about sports history. and You talk about, you know, nothing is new under the sun. I mean, things things come and go, and... And in America in the 1920s, horse racing was the most popular sport. Horse racing is nothing now. Boxing was the second most popular sport. Boxing is essentially nothing now. Uh, baseball was, a, was the other one. It was baseball, horse racing, and boxing. Now, baseball's hanging on, but you've seen the numbers. It's not the same as football. So history would tell you that things change and things evolve. And Mark Cuban... Is the man and go back and look at his comments from March? Remember, he said the NFL is like the story of the fatted calf and the and the, the hog that gets too fat, and you got to slaughter it. And he, he said, I think the NFL is getting that way. And you know, he, Cuban's a guy; he's pretty bright guy, and he's made some money betting on the future. Now I'm not saying he's you know bulletproof and he's uh, a total seer, but these let's put it this way: these topics, the concussions and their problem with violence and arrests and 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 brutality are things that we weren't talking about 15 years ago. We were talking about the explosion of the NFL, and now we're talking about them. So now, check back in 15 years, and, and, and it's quite possible. But right now, in the short term, no way. Right. Short term, it's going to be huge.
0: Brian, believe it there. Thank
3: you. All the best, guys.
2: Hair is a metaphor for the current of hot hair air generated
1: by a blast
2: of right. temper. <laughs>
1: The hairdryer with which uh, Alex Ferguson was famously associated—he threw a hairdryer, I think, at David Beckham. Oh, I he
5: threw a hairdryer at David uh,
1: In the—is that right?
0: No, 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 no. Yeah, that was our chat with Brian Murphy on the the Ray Rice issue, and as he said, there are a lot of angles to it. There is even an update since we spoke to Brian from the the point of view of uh, just. Uh, how much the NFL may have known or may have wanted to, uh, may have, how vigorously they looked for this famous
4: videotape. Uh, Well, it turns out if they'd uh, checked all of their email accounts, there's an excellent chance they would have found it there because the Associated Press reported uh, late last night that a law enforcement uh, official speaking on condition of anonymity because of the continuing investigation sent the footage to an NFL executive months ago uh, before Goodell... Uh, suspended Rice for the first time. So that's pretty unbelievable. <laughs>
0: this story is probably grim enough already without me bringing Floyd Mayweather into it, but I just feel I have to, because Mayweather said it was uh, maybe defending... Well, yeah, let's say he was defending Ray Rice here. He says, I think there's a lot worse things that go on in other people's households. It's just that it's not caught on video, if that's safe to say. Now, Mayweather spent two months in jail in 2012 after pleading guilty to reduce domestic abuse charges after an attack on his former girlfriend while their children watched this, by the way. So this is part of Mayweather's past. He says he's been falsely accused on that occasion, and many times. He says, look, no bumps, no bruises, no nothing. With OJ and Nicole, you've seen pictures. With Chris Brown and Rihanna, you've seen pictures. With Ocho Cinco and Evelyn, you've seen pictures. You guys have, to, have yet to see any pictures of a battered woman, a woman who says she was kicked and beaten, as in by Mayweather. So I just live my life and try to stay positive, blah, 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 blah. And if, you re- if you want a lot of more background on Mayweather, we did tweet a link to an article a few months ago, The Trouble with Floyd Mayweather is a dead spin piece with a huge amount of detail, and not just that woman, but a, a, a lot of documented cases of these sort of domestic abuse issues surrounding Floyd Mayweather. Uh, the incredible thing about him is that while Ray Rice's career may be over, uh, Mayweather is about to fight for another, whatever, $40, $50 million purse yeah. and is very much a glorified if, figure, with, figure within mainstream sports.
4: Yeah, and if the American media are asking themselves, what's the um, the NFL have a huge problem with uh, domestic abuse and what does it say about America um, and American attitudes to domestic violence, They've met Floyd Mayweather their best paid sports sports star last year and he's going to be the best paid sports uh, sports star this year as well. So something for them to chew on rather than um, leaving it necessarily all at the NFL's door.
0: Ken, you've been quiet. Tell us what's coming up in second captain's football.
3: That's... Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Oh, you can laugh. The World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist.
1: But having said that, I want to be like me. You don't
5: know
3: what you're
0: talking about. What yeah. if you want? Know to stay alive.
2: I'd say
5: it to you, I'll say it to you oh. now. I'm down to and we'll see What you doing down here, you show me, man. <laughs> yep.
2: Up there. Um. Up where?
0: Well, up there. It depends on where Scotland. you are. We're talking Scottish independence.
2: We're not talking Scottish independence, actually, today. I think we might talk about that next week because I think it's so interesting. It really
0: is. Did you read the Charlie Brooker piece?
2: Oh, it was very funny. Very funny, Charlie Brooker. If only... If only that was going to be the decisive um, influence (laughs) in all this. But no, we're not talking about that today. We're talking about... um, Not quite as far up there. If you were in Scotland, if you were up there in Scotland, then what we're talking about would be down there. (laughs) Right. Because it's... Getting warmer. (laughs) The the northeast of England. Mm -hmm. Uh, The subject of a new book by Michael Walker, who readers of the Irish Times would be familiar with. Um, He's done a book about uh, football in the northeast, and uh, yeah, we're going to talk to him about that. We're going to also talk to another man of the northeast, Jonathan Wilson,
4: oh, the yeah. Angel of the North, of course, as we like to call him the here, the Angel
2: of the North, <laughs> uh, who who uh, now Wandsworth based, <laughs> but he will um, Down there. He'll be talking to us about well about Danny Welbeck, but also but about a couple of related issues too. So. A lot coming up.
0: We talked about the NFL's current travails earlier and just touched on the issue of concussion there. That's one of the problems I have at the moment, which has caused them a huge amount of grief and financial pain. But it's become apparent in the last few years this is a problem in a range of contact sports, Gaelic football and hurling. Among them, former Common footballer and current midfielder with the 2013 All-Ireland champion St. Bridgets. Carl Mannion is with us a regular voice for us as well Carl, great to have you in as always um, I've been looking forward to chatting to you about this for a little while
6: I understand this is an area you've become quite interested in the last couple of years Yeah, uh, I've actually personally been affected by it uh, own I've had two now in the last uh, three years uh, and I also have, I have a, a big interest in American sport especially American football so I was on, I was on notice of the whole issue in American football and the concussion uh, discussion that's been going on there for the last maybe 10 years or so so I read a lot about it before I actually suffered my own concussions. Uh, so when it happened to me, then yeah, I, I was obviously aware of what how serious it was, and uh, I took it very serious. Can you maybe
0: take us through those concussions first of all? Because I think this is one of the ways that we can learn a bit more about it is talk to people yeah. who've gone through playing sports. And so maybe maybe your first one.
6: Yeah. So my first one was in uh, August 2012 in the Roscommon quarter final. I, I was just going in to tackle a man, and he he kicked the ball pretty earlier than I expected, uh, and the ball just hit me in the side of the head. Uh, Knocked me out for about two or three seconds. I kind of came through when I was on the ground. Felt kind of like I had just woken up from a a deep sleep. So I felt a little bit groggy, uh, a little slow to just kind of get moving again. Uh, My physio came out, kind of just tended to me. After maybe a minute or two, I was on my feet and felt totally fine again. Uh, Didn't have any post-concussion syndrome uh, or symptoms uh, for the rest of the game. I remember the rest of the game. I felt good for the rest of the game. Uh, and for that for that space of time, thought it was thought it was okay. Yeah. Uh, after the game, that was a different story. Uh, we stayed around to watch the second game. There was a double header. We were playing the winners. After about ten minutes, uh, I, I just had to leave. I just wasn't feeling great. Uh, I went to meet my girlfriend, and on the drive home, started to get really really uh, worried how I was feeling. Started getting really emotional. Just didn't feel right at all. I had to put in the car at one stage uh, just to kind of gather myself. And I was about maybe ten minutes from home. Then at that stage, then when I kind of got put myself together after a few minutes got home and um, my girlfriend was there uh, and then i just broke down started crying it just felt terrible really emotional so i went to the hospital and uh, they started just examining me and at that stage more symptoms started kicking in uh, i started getting forgetful i started repeating myself i remember i asked the question maybe five or six times have i got concussion have i got concussion kept repeating myself uh, broke down then when i was speaking with the the, the triage nurse, uh, she went to ask my girlfriend had I had of depression because the way I was talking to her and the way I was, uh, the way I was kind of showing symptoms, uh, and then they just kept me in overnight and uh, uh, just kind of monitored me until the next day. Then from the next day, which was the Monday, I felt fine. Tuesday I felt fine, but on the Wednesday morning I had another symptom. Woke up, felt really bad again. Uh, just was in a really bad mood, down, just sad, uh, and then that cleared maybe after about six or seven hours. Days,
0: stays, obviously. you're playing the match the weekend, yeah. Saturday or Sunday. It was a Sunday game, a and Sunday on game the Wednesday morning the Wednesday I had a, another
6: symptom, uh, and then after that morning symptom on the Wednesday, uh, I had no symptoms ever again.
0: The I'm, I'm interested in the car journey on the way home. I, mm-hmm. in, initially, you said it happened, you, you you felt, you were knocked out, you said, for a, couple, yeah. for a little while, and you, you came to, and you gradually started feeling a bit better, and, and yeah. watched the second game, and... Suddenly it came, came back. It's interesting, even the feeling you describe. You just didn't feel right. Yeah. Is it, is it Can you put words on that?
6: If, I suppose maybe when something maybe tragic happens in your own life, you hear some really bad news. You get a sensation of, "Jesus, is awful. I feel so bad. This is like so sad." Maybe something like that. It's it's hard to describe. Just like I felt really emotional, like I was just kind of I, I broke down and cried with my my girlfriend, and in the hospital I just couldn't explain it. I don't know how what came over me. So I it felt
0: emotional, and then the physical manifestation came back also, as you said in the ho- in the hospital.
6: later yeah, when you started, it, it did as well. Yeah, and then so that was my first one. I had no symptoms then. After that Wednesday, right. uh, and then about fifteen months later, I had a second one uh, from a, from the uh, from a football match obviously as well. I just got a shoulder into the face. In a challenge, uh, this is now the last game of the season, so there was no worry about me after with protocol getting back to play around. So I was clear after that. But uh, what happened that day? Yeah, I, I got symptoms earlier on that occasion. Uh, I kind I was knocked out, but I was stunned. Uh, I kind of kind of when I was on the ground fell lethargic down for the next few minutes. Uh, I wasn't sure what was going on, and the, the fellow who hit me got sent off, and I didn't realise for about five minutes until I saw him over on the sideline. How were the after effects that time? After effects that time were fine. I had no symptoms after the game that time at all.
0: The, would you? Would it have been noticeable to people? Do you think that you were struggling in those games? Was it just something that was? Because you said five minutes later you, yeah. you you noticed this. Is it obvious to people well, looking? Well, I suppose
6: on? the obvious things. But the first game was the fact that I got knocked out and sure I was on right. the ground for a few seconds, not moving. Uh, but my my play after that in the first instance was fine. Like I felt good, felt energetic. And would have played the way I played the rest of the game. The second occasion, yeah, I've, I I didn't perform as well after the the incident, and uh, maybe that was just because I didn't play well. But I certainly felt impaired.
4: Yeah, and and that's the scary thing, I suppose. And we'll get along to the the broader themes of it. But I mean, it's not necessarily something that you can spot from the sideline that oh, Carl's got Carl's feeling a little dazed there. That's mm-hmm. n- that's not actually how you can you can't actually say that from the sideline.
6: Yeah, I know, and the thing is as well, like, a player is never, ever, and I certainly would, just wasn't ever going to promise myself out of that game. Like, you train so hard and the sport is such a big part of your own life that... It's very, very hard to walk away from like the middle of a competitive battle and a player will never make that call themselves to come off and that's why that call has to be made independently of the player, or the management, it has to be an independent medical person to make that call. Not even the team doctor of the team? Uh, well, I would think that the team doctor has Should a certain sort to. of independence that he can rise above like the the, the importance of the game or whatever yeah. kind of, uh, vested interest the manager or the player has.
0: It's inter- I think that's a key point that you're getting to there because this... We saw Aidan O'Shea, we all looked at it and thought he may be concussed now. The Mayo team doctor has come out since and said that he wasn't. O'Shea himself said that he felt dazed. Uh, Rory O'Carroll is a great example in the All-Ireland Final last year because O'Carroll was actually a, uh, an ambassador for the group campaigning about concussion. But yet when it came to the crunch and he got concussed himself, like uh, most players, yeah. he didn't want to go off. I mean, even he though, he, he, come even though he, he, he probably knew quite a bit more than some players about it. So uh, even managers, you don't think managers would, would be... Able to be independent enough in those situations to to say, I- I'm going to be the bigger man here and take this guy off. It has to be a doctor. Well, I suppose with
6: any injury, the manager depends on the medical advice that they're getting from their physio or from the doctor, whether it be an ankle, knee, or a head injury. They're the ones that give the advice to the manager and if the ma- if the doctor is following the proper guidelines of the GAA set down and tells the manager that this guy has a concussion uh, I recommend that he comes off the pitch then that's what the manager has to do if the manager overrules him then that's going to be a serious issue and that's something that has to be kind of talked about and discussed What are he- the, roughly the protocols now what's supposed to happen? Yeah so the GEA have a set of guidelines in place very easy to access if you put in GAA concussion to Google it's the first team that comes up uh, and they have a page on their website Fergal Moore is the, the pitcher on the website he had a concussion last year uh, with the goal of herders uh, and yeah, sets out information for players information for managers information, information for referees and then the actual guidelines themselves so it's very clear when you have any signs of concussion the guidelines are that there has to be removal from the field of play uh, and not to return to the field of play until that person has cleared a, a stepwise approach to return to play it's a protocol that's set down and then following that uh, stepwise approach being cleared that you get medical clearance from a doctor to go back to play
0: so that's all great. It's, uh, that sounds. Uh, I mean, if that's implemented to the letter of the law, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, but is it more about the actual practicalities uh, of, as, that we talk about there of the ins and outs of players, managers making yeah. these decisions within that framework? Yeah. So
6: the reason there's a grey area is this is all just advisory work, uh, advisory guidance. It's not mandatory on uh, mandatory on people to follow it. Uh, the guidelines are based on the, uh, the international sports conference on concussion that happened in March 2013 in Zurich. Uh, and the GEA's GDA Medi- Medical, Scientific and Welfare Committee came together with the Beacon Hospital after that. And drew up these guidelines, and they follow pretty much word for word what that uh, conference in Zurich said. So the the GA have been very good on this; they've put in the press the correct guidelines. But just the only issue is that they're not mandatory; they're advisory. I understand your doctor in Roscommon is doing quite a lot of work on this at the moment, also. Yeah, so like one of the reasons why I was able to kind of respond to my own question so well was because the team doctor in Roscommon, who I've been going to for the last maybe ten fifteen years since I was involved with the county, Doctor Martin Daly uh, has a very keen interest in this. He's a member of the faculty of. Uh, Sports and exercise medicine in the Royal College of Surgeons who are advocating for this and lobbying uh, the government on this. Uh, So he was obviously very, very up to speed on this when I went to him first and he was very good in in, uh, giving me advice on how to approach uh, returning to play and just concussions in general. Uh, he's uh, I believe they're going to speak with the uh, the Rocktas Health Committee uh, that are holding their uh, a hearing soon with Jerry Butthema of Fine Gael TD uh, and they're going to be making representations to that and I think pretty much they want to make this uh, this advisory stuff mandatory across all sports uh, this this uh, this body that obviously Martin is with is a uh, multidisciplinary so it takes in soccer and rugby as well and all other sports horse racing okay so
0: At the moment, what you talk about are guidelines, but Mm -hmm. the 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 lobbying on at the moment is to formalise it into more of
6: a to make it mandatory across uh, across all sports. Uh, The other thing that they're probably going to try and touch on is to make it uh, by law that this is uh, has to be followed. Uh, I I think in the United States, uh, since about two thousand and nine, there's been laws uh, imposed in uh, states across the United States for uh, the the concussion protocol. Uh, Initially, Washington State, uh, there was an incident with a kid who was 14-year-old and who ended up having permanent disabilities from uh, concussion, the two concussions he got in an American football game. uh, And laws were pretty much uh, put in after that incident. They're called the Leistat Laws now in Washington State. So it's actually against the law now to have a person who has a concussion, uh, a youth athlete, to go back onto the field of play. And then it's against the law for them to go back until the protocol is cleared and the medical clearance. What I find really interesting
0: about this whole subject is the amount there doesn't seem to be an absolute consensus for example in rugby you have the pitch side assessment now five minutes and uh, that's deemed to be in place any time there may be a suspected concussion The doctor checks it out for five minutes, does all the tests and then makes a decision whether the player can go back. Now, Barry O'Driscoll and rugby should be on top of this in that it's it's suffered quite badly from it over the last number of years. Barry O'Driscoll, who was on the IRB medical board, says five minutes is just not long enough to tell whether or not a player is concussed. And if you have to actually do that test then the player should just be coming off. If, if there's any sus- sus- suspicion, it's almost by definition by doing a test. Maybe you suspect it. None of us are doctors here, so you're, we're, we're kind of going by what the medical yeah, people the say. The doing of
4: the test but is in itself an admission that there's a suspicion. In, in, in yeah.
0: your case, say the second one when you hadn't been knocked out. If you had been taken aside for five minutes, would you think that the that y- concussion would have been noticeable?
6: Yeah, I think I think so. Like they might have asked me like what happened, how I felt. Like I did feel days for the first yeah. three or four minutes after the incident. Uh, and for the rest of the game. So, yeah, had the guidelines been followed yet, then, yeah, I, w- I would have expected that uh, a medical person would have taken me off that field of play. But uh, I suppose just the, the thing about the way that it currently lies with Irish sport is just that the evolution of awareness is just not there at the moment in Irish sport uh, as it is in American football uh, and in American sports. Unfortunately, the reason it's become so uh, prevalent and so important in American football is because it's got into the legal courts. Uh, players are now suing the NFL and NHL for post-concussion syndrome and for neurodegenerative diseases that they're experiencing and some people obviously have died and taken their own lives because of uh, such diseases Uh, that has never happened yet in Irish sports it's obviously going to be down the line before it happens but that may be the thing that will need everyone to kind of to jolt into into, into uh, what they need to be the position they need to be in Are concussions
0: happening more often now or is it just that players are starting to become aware of it well certainly the players like yourself have read up on it
6: I would think that they're, they've they always been happening uh, I just spoke with a couple of my own teammates in the, in the last few days and just friends and some of them spoke about concussions they got obviously maybe 10 years ago like, It just was really mentioned at the time that, yeah, no, right. The thing is in GEA it's less prevalent under 1% of GEA injuries or head injuries uh, I suppose just it's the sport it just does not as much contact with the head the only thing is it's pre- it's in the GEA, so that's why the GEA has to address it and they have addressed it in fairness
0: Just back to the, the issue of the doctors there and the idea that they should be able to rise above what's going on with the teams of course they should as medical professionals but I'm thinking back to the Uruguayan player Alvaro Pereira in the World Cup who was concussed I mean mm-hmm. it looked pretty clear I think he said himself afterwards that he he was uh, I don't know if we use that exact term but that the doctor clearly looked like he wanted to take him off he ran around like a madman, refused to come off. The manager ultimately mm, sort of mm, stepped back a little mm-hmm. bit. And the guy went back on. That was a case where, well, maybe that was a case where the doctor did make the call, but the the manager failed to implement it. But you'd be confident that doctors would be professional enough to be able to, and I'm not saying that there's a conversation between a doctor and a manager, and the manager says, you better get him back out there. I'm thinking more of the unspoken thing, that a doctor is part of these camps. The doctor wants the team to, to win themselves. The doctor is presumably excited by the whole thing also.
6: Yeah, I suppose like, just the dynamics of dash instantly like, you could see how animated uh, the Uruguayan left back got and I'm sure like the way he was given out to the doctor and the manager and he was just simply refusing to come off the pitch was obviously uh was obviously not a uh, great sign, not a great sign itself, but the, th- yeah. the thing is there's nothing there to fall back on for a sport uh, for a manager or a player. There's nothing mandatory. There's no going to be no uh, there's going to be no bans, no sanctions put on that manager or that player yeah. for forcing that issue. The doctor can only give the advice not to play him until there's actually a law against it, and until, like I said, the governing bodies have sanctions in place for management uh, or whoever makes the call to put someone back in. Until there's sanctions in place, this kind of an issue will happen, and players will go back on the pitch. I mean, the doctor can
4: only make a recommendation to the team manager, and so for, maybe from the doctor's point of view he can kind of nearly wash his hands of it and say well I've done my piece here I've I've recommended a course of action and it's up to the manager and the player then to make a decision I mean that, maybe that's the sort of maybe that's the deal that the, the pact that they make in their own head mm-hmm. uh, which you know which which allows uh, uh, an injured player to go back out of the
6: field Yeah I think obviously doctors for their, their duty of care they feel so strongly about it like and I would think in the cases where like, a doctor gives the advice and it's it, the manager goes against it I can imagine that would be a very very tense dynamic from there on in, and I would think the doctors would probably step down in those kind of circumstances. I think Barry will step down from some position after some uh, they wouldn't go with some guidelines that he recommended. Uh, yeah, he stepped down exactly. from the IRB at that yeah. stage. Yeah, so, so yeah. that's what that's what happens. Like, and, yeah, I know the doctors are very aware of their duty of care. I always will be, like especially now because it's getting more prevalent and more everyone's getting more aware. Yeah, I know.
0: And uh, I've talked about this before. People sometimes say. I don't know if people understand maybe the seriousness of it in that they see somebody get concuss- for example some of those players in the World Cup in Mascarano came back on and played well and finished the match and there was a school of thought well what's the big deal you know he, okay, he was knocked out now he's now he's fine you mentioned some of the really serious long-term issues in the US is that something you worry about at all at the moment having had a couple of concussions yourself uh,
6: I suppose I suppose it is yeah I like the thing is that there's no certainty around how many concussions lead to certain things or a, per- a person's predisposition in their own brain would obviously dictate a lot as well so it's it's just there's so much uncertainty there I just don't know what's going to happen like I would like to think that just with two concussions that I, I should be okay uh, I would be very worried if I got another one now that would be three in three years and I would have to seriously consider playing any further in the sport uh, really, yeah. you'd have to, have to I would, work. I would like because just the, like the rest of my life is obviously dependent on me being able to work in what I'm doing now and yeah. supporting a family. I just can't risk that, and especially because I'm near the end of my career now as well. It's just, uh, it'd just be too, too important to kind of risk anything more down the line. I want to be able to have a, a full life and I want to be able to enjoy my kids' lives and I want to be able to go to GA games when I'm 60 and 70 and really enjoy them <laughs> and maybe give some analysis yeah. of what's going on <laughs> at, at that time. But, uh, yeah, no, it has to be a concern. Like, and you can see just players, from other sports, just kind of packing it in. Like, and in fairness, they they have a lot more concussions than I had. Like, when you read some of the, the rugby players that have retired over the last Shantay, number of years, Happe is one. Yeah, jumps like out. that yeah. story. Just if you read that article, he did in New Zealand, retired. Like, it's yeah. just if you want to lo- know about concussion, just read that article and you'll know everything you need to know. But even some of the Irish players, like Bernard Jackman and Craig Clark, like. Like they have to step away from it, like and like it's it's the hard decision they probably ever had to make was to make that retirement decision.
0: All right, well, listen, Carl, we really appreciate you talking about all that because I haven't heard too many players talking in too much detail about it, GA wise, yet. So, um thanks very much for coming in and chatting.
6: Okay, well, thanks. The flame hair, the flame the hair, truth, Mr. Truth, Early. Mr. Ken truth, Mr. Ken Early.
2: Every so often, I'm on the bus tonight I suddenly turn around to bite somebody. John Hayes I'm talking about on yes, John right. Hayes. Now, I always thought that was ridiculous. He had won the victory over himself. He loved Brendan Rodgers. That's
0: where it goes from. Thanks a lot, Beth, eh?
4: How much do give a
0: fuck? Fair to say anybody could have managed those guys? No, of course
4: not. Let me show you right now for you give
1: it up.
0: We will tweet a link to that Shante Hapbe article. He may well have read it at the time, but he, as we mentioned there, that, that was a particularly uh, horrible case to read about. He got to a point in his career when he was getting concussed without any sort of contact to his head, and indeed minimal contact to his body. And he's just going down in a heap. Pretty uh, horrendous stuff. We'll tweet a link, as I mentioned. Carol just discussing the effects in his own case, I thought was quite striking there, Murph, because you become... For uh, especially for better or worse, for worse really you become somewhat conditioned to hearing about the headaches and those sort of associated issues, even though that's not necessarily a great thing to become conditioned to that but to actually hear about the emotional toll, the the, uh, the fact that the doctors said that he was showcasing um, symptoms of depression, that's the yeah. way that it, it looked and the, just the bawling out crying, all these Issues weren't things that I would have necessarily associated with concussion, but it just shows that it affects different people in different yeah, ways. Yeah,
4: exactly, and I think that that's a big thing as well. That there is no, you, it's not, it's not a hamstring tear that you can grade one, two, three, four. You know, it's uh, it affects so many people in so many different ways, physically, mentally, emotionally. Yeah, it's 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 scary. That, that it, it's quite scary to hear Carol just. Uh, describe what what happened particularly that, that first incident
0: Yeah I think it's a good thing for players to talk about it it's, I don't see the harm in it in fact I don't think it's a very positive thing but uh don't want to say too long on this because I do have to bring your attention Ken to I don't know if I mean I'm sure you did read it this morning Second Opinion by Kieran Murphy Yeah The hottest GA column mm-hmm. this summer in the Irish Times
2: Yeah and I, I I appreciated the air of mystery in which the column was shrouded yeah. <laughs>
0: There's yeah. there's Kieran's byline. There's his name. There's the uh, se- se- the uh, what did I call it? What's the name for your name again? Second opinion. Second opinion. My apologies, oh, Kieran. Second opinion. But where is Lay Kieran Murphy's? Captain, where is uh, Kieran Murphy's face? There's just a white box where your face should be. Your beautiful. No, that was beautiful the thing to
2: me. The fact that the box was there to contain the face, but <laughs> yeah. the face had been yeah. excised. It, all it, the other faces were there on the page, obviously above their articles, but not.
4: All very much present and correct, apart from. Poor old me. Mm. Now, the first thing Simon said when he saw it was it was like, you know, um, Christopher Lloyd's character in Back to the Future, where he's got that photograph oh, yeah. in the newspaper and his, <laughs> oh, yeah. his yeah, face just and disappear. body keep uh, disappearing. And that's a very and dangerous thing because you, essentially you're gone forever if you completely mm. disappear. Well, listen, if a future version of myself makes himself known to me today... I know that I'm in a world of pain.
0: You were writing about the under twenty one All Ireland final, Murph, which we want to turn our attention to now. With Claire's Christy O'Connor and former Wexford hurler Owen Quigley. Christy, we'll start. Actually, we'll start with something that's not exactly the under twenty one final, but it is the big story in Clare hurling this week. Certainly, the one with most nationwide interest. And it's Podge Collins and Sean Collins, brother, deciding to play football exclusively for uh, well for the footballers and not playing hurling next year. It's an extraordinary situation. And according to their father, Colin Collins, they were presented with an ultimatum, essentially, by the football manager, by the hurling manager, David Fitzgerald. It's one or the other. And he says he'd like to see them play both, but that they can't and they've chosen to play football for him. What's the reaction been like? I guess this is a pretty big story there.
5: Yeah, it's, I suppose it's a, it's a big story when you consider the was, you know, just time last year when he was in line for a hurler of the year so. It's a pretty big story. I think it you know, it has been been doing the rounds for the last while that you know this maybe was coming down the tracks because I thought Fitzy it was well known that, you know, he didn't he wasn't gonna kind of entertain dual players for two thousand and fifteen. So um he's made the call. The lads obviously have a loyalty to their father which is a big issue, um and Colin Collins said that he was taken out of their hands that you know the the general feeling was last year was that you know the boys had kind of focused seventy five percent, eighty percent of their time on hurling. And 20 on football, even when they, you know, Claire got to the Division 4 league final and the lads didn't even play in that. They went out to training camp in Portugal. So, you know, I thought they felt there was a bit of give on their behalf. Um, you know, I suppose you have to take into account that's, you know, the, the loyalty that the two lads have towards their father. So, um, I, so I think that's probably the big issue. But, um, yeah, I think if, if there was a chance that they could have played both, they would have played both, but they just felt that that chance wasn't there, so they just opted for the football.
0: Is this one of those things that the reaction to it really would only be seen after we see how Clare get on next year? Because Jim McGuinness now is almost lauded for uh, maybe how he dealt with Kevin Cassidy and others because he's been successful since then. So if Davey goes back, wins another another All-Ireland next year, this is seen as a marker he had to lay down. But maybe if they're not so successful, it could be seen as another part of the falling apart of the team.
5: Look, I suppose that's a very strong description to use, all, But like, it's 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 hard to know because I suppose the, the one thing you maybe would wor- worry about, or from a clear perspective, is that like, you know, Podge is, you know, and Sean, like, you know, they're two very very sound, decent, really good guys, like, and very very popular within the squad, like, you know, especially Podge. You, you know, you even see Podge now. You'll see him on Saturday. He'd be doing, he'd be a Harley carrier and a water carrier for for the 21s, like, and you know, I suppose he's grown up with a lot of these young guys. He's of their generation. Like even last year on that twenty one squad, like, you know, Podge was, was recognized as the spiritual leader of that group. So he will be missed. Um, you know, I, I think you know that that's something that look at he's made his decision. He obviously feels that Claire didn't have a good season this year. Maybe he felt that the dual player issue was a factor. So he's made his decision. has made his decision on the fact that Colin Collins is the Clare senior football manager and you know, look at the Cratlow boys now as well. Clear, obviously, clear is a very strong in hurling. Um, but you know, Cratler are creating their own identity and their own um, tradition. You know, I don't know if if you know this, like John Galvin, the former, you know, Limerick players joined Cratler as well. Now, um, you know, he's a huge addition to them. And like those boys are thinking, monster clubs like as well as trying to win Clare championship. So, you know, like, there's a huge focus on football. I, I don't think that you know the lads are just. Um, playing football because they like football and because, you know, their father is a manager, like these guys are ambitious fellas that, you know, they want to do well in football. They they saw Clare, you know, running Kerry to four points in a Munster Championship this year. I'm not saying the are going to be in an Alarda final next year, but they feel they're on the move, they feel they're going places. So like this decision wasn't taken lightly. Um, and I think, you know, the, the whole thing as well with the football culture, like Colin Collins is traditionally he's he's a football man, so If he's from West Clare, football would be his first love his sons were grown up with a very, very strong football background. So, you know, I think all of that has to be considered into the mix. So, like, this isn't something that, you know, has just happened. Like, you know, football is a huge part of these guys' life.
0: Yeah. All right, let's talk about Saturday night. Owen Quigley, uh, I think Wexford only won one All-Ireland at this level. That was in 1965. A good year for the seniors, really good year up until a very disappointing end to it. If they managed to win on Saturday night, would this be one of the great years for Wexford Hurling?
1: I think so and there's been huge improvements in Wexford hurling Um, but as I said they haven't won an under 21 title since 1965 they got to a couple of finals all right since Um, I think they got a good couple of beatings from Cork and and the most recent one was they got bet by Limerick by a point one of the three that's three in a row that Limerick won Um, I think they have a great they have a good chance on Saturday night my heart I suppose would say you know we'll go for Wexford but my head is saying Clare because they're so strong but all in all if Wexford can win this Saturday night would be a huge year for Wexford Hurling because I think the senior team, you know, they went down badly to Limerick, Um, they had four weeks on the trot and the under-21 players had played championship in between, it was a lot to ask for many players but in general you know, they've definitely made progress and there's a lot of this under-21 team who are involved in the senior team, maybe not all on the panel but nearly all of them have been involved in training and practice games so they've been exposed to a a higher level of hurling and I think they'll go in this Saturday and they won't fear Clare.
4: Yeah, and I, I think that they probably have uh, pretty bad memories that they need to exercise exor- from Turles, not just the, the Limerick game that you mentioned there, the, the horrible defeat in the All-Ireland quarterfinal, but also the fact that they got beaten by Antrim in an under-21 semi-final last year, which is just the sort of missed opportunity that really rankles with, with players, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, I, I was up at that under-21 game last year against Antrim and obviously a very disappointing performance, and they looked like a group of guys who were just waiting for it to happen for them, and they just didn't believe it was possible that Antrim could beat them in the semi-final. And I thought to myself, well, even there, you know, that was it That was it for this team. They weren't going to come back again, but in fairness to them, their performances this year have been outstanding, and, I mean, the route they've taken to get to this final, I mean, they've bet a lot of good teams, Kilkenny like and Dublin and Galway, in the semi-final there on the way. So... I worried mentally that they wouldn't come back after last year's defeat to Antrim. But, you know, they've, they've turned it around and they've surprised me and I think they've surprised a lot of people in Wexford. Um, and they've, uh, they've come through a hard route and they're back there again.
0: Christy, going for three in a row in Clare, I mean, is, is is the status of that competition still big enough in the county that you can almost salvage the season to a certain extent by winning this despite the bad year for the seniors?
5: Oh, look at all. I'll tell you now, like, people don't realise, you know, Clare are not like Kilkenny or Cork or Tip like this. You know, I suppose if you want to make a comparison, if you looked at the at the of the Twenty One final last year after the game, like Clare, you know, beat Antrim in second gear, and um, they are in the senior final. You know, it was a week, uh, you know, two weeks for the replay. You know, the game was was over probably after twenty minutes. And yes, you know, you know, one of the highlights of the year for a lot of Clear people was the way you know all the young kids and the way the crowd just stormed the pitch after the game. Like that, you know, like Clear would never ever take you know success like that for granted like you know like you know Clare lost they lost 12 months finals before they actually won an under 21 I lost two of them myself so you know there was absolute complete and utter heartbreak for Clare for years like you know especially at under 21 level you know some devastating defeats like you know even that that game in 2008 when you know the famous you know umpire decision that you know called back Donald Toohey like this. you know um like that was probably you could say that's really where the revolution began because you know Conor Cooney, famous. He said in the dressing room after that game, he said, you know, he was overage for 2009, and he said, you know, look at this, this is either going to make or break us. Like, and, and you know, nine of that team came back and won in All Ireland. Clare's fourth monster in All Ireland the following year. So that's the first thing. On, you know, that, that these these finals are, you know, they're gold dust in Clare. It doesn't matter how many you've won, you know, we lost enough of them, you know, with enough heartbreak. So that's the first thing. Like that, and this group, this management are really, really professional. Um, very, very focused. And, you know, the group have had a tough week, you know, tough couple of days. Like, you know, Gerard O'Connell the wing-back. His father was, you know, tragically passed away last week. Um, you know, I suppose that they've had to deal with that. You know, I think they're very united this week. Um, you know, they've really, really come together as a group. Um, and I think the big thing about the group, lad, is that the experience is just absolutely crazy. Like, you know, eight of the team have actually played senior championship. Three more of the team have, um, you know, played league let say, like, there's five of the group going for three All-Ireland medals in a row. One of them, Tots O'Connell, got injured in the year, can't get on the team. Well, what, you know, hasn't been playing? You know, and you just look at that experience, like, it's, it's, you know, really for for a group. And, you know, you're not talking about, you know, any under-21 team. A lot of these guys have All-Ireland senior medals. Like, you know, a lot of teams that maybe won three in a row in the past, like maybe Limerick or Tip, you know, they did so. But, you know, they didn't go on, maybe, and cash in on it afterwards or... These boys have already done that. They've already stepped up to the plate. They've already won the big thing. So just being there before, you know, I know Wexford maybe don't have as many seniors. They have three guys who played senior championship. You know, they have a lot of other guys who are good players, really good players. And I think they're a very athletic team. They're very, they're strong. They're big. Um, I think they will give Clare problems, but I, I can't see Clare not winning the game.
0: It's an interesting point there, uh, raised by Chris De Young, just about the idea, I suppose, in Kilkenny, maybe in an, an All-Ireland an under-21 success or even minor is almost an add-on to the year whereas for counties like Clare and Wexford you can see it more as a, an achievement to, to get the county excited all by itself
1: Yeah, I, I think as you said it there it's, you know the All-Ireland finals are like gold dust to Clare and very much that way to Wexford as well um, and that's a little bit of a problem in Wexford because the hype uh, can get too much for the players and there's huge expectation on them now but I'm hoping on top of that that maybe there's a little bit of confidence in um, in the Clare team. I was reading today. Maybe there's a homecoming event organised for them. On Always Sunday good to hear. And, uh, yeah, I smiled when I saw that. So hopefully <laughs> the ray is a small bit off the ball and um, it'll, give Wex- it'll give Wexford a chance.
0: So you're going for Wexford?
1: <laughs> my my heart says Wexford, but. Uh, uh, look at this Clare team, it's going to be very hard to stop. I mean, three in a row, just fantastic hurdles all over the pitch. And I did see them play uh, Tipperary and Cork uh, and Limerick on the TV, and they're very impressive. So I uh, I, I think Clare might just shade the sun.
0: All right, listen, Owen quickly, Chris O'Connor, very excited about it. Listen, thanks a million.
5: Thanks, a lot Cheers.
0: So that's the question, that's going to be answered tonight. Tonight. So now, come here tonight. Tonight. Into Wexford Park, and they just must produce the goods tonight. Tonight. Their team is better set up tonight. Tonight. But they just, the bottom line is, Michael,
4: they have to do tonight.
1: Tonight. Now,
4: I think Hawk have made a massive boo-boo with our matchups. Massive boo-boo.
3: Tonight. 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 Tonight.
0: I don't too patronising about these things to counties. Like, I don't think it is patronising to say that it matters a huge amount to Western no. and to Clare. It also becomes more interesting for people, for everybody else watching, doesn't it? Yeah, completely. Kilkenny people get really annoyed by this, and I do accept it's not their fault that they win quite a lot. But yeah. it's not our fault that we're no- we're human beings who like to see other counties. Yeah, get And their we trade.
4: like to see people getting excited about things. You know, that's that's the the whole reason why we watch sport. So that we can get really, really excited about something that uh, that shouldn't matter as much as it does. And Claire and Wexford will get very, very excited on Saturday evening. I'm expecting an absolutely mammoth crowd of that game.
0: Well, we've talked about concussion today, um, domestic violence as well. So uh, here finishes a rather heavy episode of <laughs> the Irish Times Second Captain's Podcast. Hope you got something out of it. Do check out, do listen to. There won't be quite as much well, it's all football well, look, in the Northeast a, in Second Captain's Podcast. Well, football we're, we're later, talking we?
2: about. Um, uh, the ravages of, of uh, economic uh, depredation. Um, uh, famous old football clubs that have lost their soul. Oof. Mm. Coming up later.
0: <laughs> Check out our new website, com. You can follow us on Twitter at SecondCaptains. Thanks very much for listening to this show. Kieran. thank you.
4: Thank you, Owen. Ken, thanks very much. Thank you, Owen. Thank you, Ken. Thanks,
0: thank guys. Thank you, is that, That's
2: the second time it's gone off? Or